Nyata, hello. It's Alison here from a little church in southwest Victoria called Sanctuary. So here we are in lockdown again and life is feeling small. We don't see enough people, we don't share enough meals, we don't get enough exercise and the walls are beginning to close in. Even when lockdown eases, we know from previous experience that it will take time and energy to re-engage with the world. We'll have new restrictions to navigate and new fears to manage. And after all these months of infrequent socialising, some of us will decide that it's all too hard and will choose to stay home. So I hear this story about thousands of people flopped on a grassy hillside feasting together. And I feel pain. I feel pain for all the ways we haven't been able to gather in the last 16 months. All the dinners we haven't shared, all the weeks we've listened for the word but fasted from the table. I feel the smallness of lockdown life and also the weakness of our little church. It's been nearly five years since we formed our birthdays in late August and we're hardly making headlines. Attendance swings wildly but it's usually around 20 people, sometimes many more but often even less. Our website is read by many people relative to our congregational size but that's only about the same number as another person's church. We run no neighbourhood programs, we have no soup kitchen, we're hardly counting converts. Every year we say we cannot possibly pay our part-time pastor. And there's never a hint that we might raise money for something or somebody else. Whenever we come up with creative ways to meet, it seems we hit new restrictions, a new lockdown. The pandemic has been with us for over a quarter of our life together. Meanwhile, half of us struggle with chronic pain or trauma or mental health. Half our city has felt misunderstood or rejected by the wider church. Half our region has experienced spiritual and even sexual abuse by patriarchal pastors and paedophile priests. God has been weaponized, and Jesus has been bad news, and people desperately need a reforming, liberating, healing theology. And yet the cold hard reality is that in the face of this great need, there are not enough resources, not enough time. Six months hard labour wouldn't begin to feed all these hungry people. Sure, since our foundation we've been gradually formed into a gentle and diverse group with a strong and committed core. We can see the Holy Spirit at work among us. Newcomers are finding their way to us and we recently celebrated our first baptism. Sure, we've found new ways to meet through all the shifting restrictions of the last 16 months. Via Zoom, in car parks and paddocks on a riverbank, in a garden at dawn, at kitchen tables and restaurant tables, at picnics down at Lake Patobe. Sure, the good news theology is reaching some people who really need it, friend and stranger near and far, believer and seeker alike. And the personal stories in our Lent books, Wednesday emails and group conversations have been powerful for many. But what are these meagre offerings in the face of a large and hungry crowd? The disciples had the same question for Jesus. Faced with a large crowd, they see scarcity. They see lack. They see the ocean of need before them. 
They calculate the cost of feeding the people and they know it is impossible. They are acutely aware of all the things they cannot do or be. They know how futile their efforts are. And because they are so used to relying on their own resources, their fears and their failings overwhelm them. But there's a little boy there too, and he's different. He's a kid who watches his older brothers in the field as they throw fistfuls of seed over God's good earth. The seeds sprout and grow and form heavy heads of grain. He knows not how. But he knows that God makes things things happen. And he's a kid who hangs around the kitchen while his mother mills the barley and makes the dough and kneads the yeast through it. He watches as the dough rises. And then his mother takes it and shapes the loaves and bakes them and whips them out of the oven. He's a noticing sort of kid. And he's smart enough to see that he cannot live by his own resources. He needs his mother. He needs the God of life. He knows that they provide food to fill his belly and they comfort him when he's scared or sad. So in the face of the hungry crowd, he hands over his lunch to the person who most reminds him of God and his mother. And I reckon Jesus says to him, Thanks, I can work with that. Because Jesus takes the loaves and the fish and gives thanks and feeds the crowd as much as they wanted. And they were satisfied. We need to be careful how we understand this. The story of the loaves and fishes is not about a finger-wagging Jesus, pointing out that the resources we have are enough and that we should simply be more efficient in how we use them. Nor is it a shaming story where a poor boy's generosity shames people into sharing their hidden stash. These readings are everywhere, but they write God out of the story. They imply that people have the resources and ability to solve the world's problems. And they reduce God to some sort of school mom, reminding people how to behave. And I think God's much more interesting than that. For the God attested to in the scriptures is a God who provides abundance where people see scarcity. A God who delights in gathering people together to feed them, and who comes up with endlessly surprising ways to do so. This is a God who uses a man rejected by his brothers, then enslaved and imprisoned in a foreign land, in order to save the people from famine. When a reluctant stutterer leads the people out of slavery into the desert, this God sends water gushing from a rock and showers them with food from heaven. It's a God who at birth is laid in a feeding trough around which outcast shepherds gather. He makes a feast for thousands from a poor boy's lunch. He offers his own body as food for the world. And this creative, imaginative, generative God keeps gathering and feeding people in new and surprising ways. Five years ago, God called a big city girl to a small regional location in order to catalyse a church among some disaffected people she barely knew. And God made a suitable building available for a home and a gathering place. This God drew a small crowd together 
and then let word filter through atheists and healthcare professionals and conservative ministers and the LGBTQI network to alert those who are seeking. This God continues to work through new technologies, enabling persistent people to find the good news on our website, opening our senses to the Holy Spirit's presence even over Zoom, and inspiring us to find new ways of gathering and being fed, even in lockdown, even now. My friends, if we had relied on our own efforts, our own resources, sanctuary wouldn't exist. We didn't have the skills, we couldn't afford it, we had no inherited building and very little support. Some of the early households were ambiguous about the project. There was confusion and conflict, and then there was lockdown. I began with a mostly empty kit bag and a pocket full of prayer, knowing that all we really had was trust. Quite simply, sanctuary was impossible. Yet in all our lack, God called sanctuary into being. And in our continuing smallness and weakness, God is using us to feed a hungry crowd far beyond ourselves, in ways we often cannot know or appreciate. So as we look towards the miracle that is our fifth birthday, let's affirm our trust in this creative, imaginative, generative God, the one who loves to gather up and feed hungry folk, the one who takes a group of strangers and kneads them together and turns them into the body of Christ, food for the world. And let's always remember that a little group of Christ-centred people who are committed to loving one another, praying together, living faith daily, and sharing stories of how the liberating, life-giving gospel is at work in their lives. Such a group is an offering that Jesus can work with. It mightn't seem like much, just five loaves and two fish. But given trustingly into his hands, it is more, plenty more than enough. So let us pray. God of the barley loaf, God of the fish, God of the small boy and God of the hungry crowd, thank you for the gifts that we are and the gifts that we bring. Take what has been given and multiply it to feed your hungry people. Because when a small boy gave what he had, generosity responded. Amen. The prayer is adapted from a prayer by Padre Gautuma, found in his book Daily Prayer with the Coromila Community. There's always more to read on our website at sanctuarybaptist.wordpress.com. Sanctuary is funded entirely by members and supporters. If you'd like to support the work of this little church, you can make a donation via PayPal, and you can find the details for this on the website. This recording was made on the lands of the Eastern Ma Nation, where wattle trees bloom in the winter time, and the land shimmers with reflections of the sky. Peace be with you.